It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Steeler fans, it is almost game time, and you know what that means. You got to wrap up the week with a bow and get all hyped up for the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Denver Broncos. Hello, my friends. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and alongside me is the one and only, the legendary coach of Ocean City High in New Jersey. Here he is, headman of the Red Raiders, yours and mine, KT Smith. What's up, Kevin? Brian, how are you? Good to be with you today. Good to be with you. And so, how'd the boys do last week? Uh, got another W, Brian. We, um, uh, I love yeah, it. We got, so, pu- we got pushed. So, uh, that was good for us. But, um, yeah, yeah, six for six so far. So, six and oh. And so, it was a, it was a pretty rough week. You just squeaked by 28 to seven, did you say? <laughs> uh, 24 to seven. Closer than that, though. Closer than that. We, we put one in right at the end. But, um, uh, team that we played did a great job. And, it was nice to see us have to handle some adversity and we're certainly going to get some of that down the road. So that was, that was a good experience for us. Well, speaking of handling adversity, the Pittsburgh Steelers have got to, as Mike Tomlin says, absorb negativity and go forward. And how do they handle that adversity? And that's something we are going to be talking about this week. A lot of people have been throwing around, you know, do or die must win Jeff, Dave, and I on the preview this week talked about the fact that it's not exactly must win, but my assessment of the whole thing, Kevin, is that if it's, 
if this team's on life support, and that was the name of that show on the preview, are the Steelers on life support? You call the family in. Are the Steelers really calling the family in at this point at one and three? <laughs> uh, the, the imagery of calling in the family is very depressing. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think that they're near that point, but understanding that their schedule is certainly going to be difficult, that the AFC North has definitely evolved. This is not the AFC North of a few years ago when, you know, you could you could chalk up four four W's or at least three of them against the Ohio teams. They they got to get moving. There's no doubt about that. I think this is the most winnable game on the schedule in you know over the next couple of weeks so i think they really need to get this one at the time that we're recording this it's thursday night and it is not yet known who the quarterback of the denver broncos going to be now on the preview i I know i bring up that show all the time our flagship uh show here at behind the still curtain.com uh both dave and jeff said that when they were making their picks that it depended who the quarterback was going to be. And I completely disagreed with that. And my thought was, I don't care who the quarterback is going to be this week because I don't think it matters. I think the Steelers need to play their own game. So what are your thoughts on the quarterback situation for the Denver Broncos and more or less what the Steelers have to do? You don't have to go it. We'll talk about what the Steelers have to do a little bit later, but the Steelers kind of control their own destiny is what I'm really trying to say in this game. Well, the quarterback thing's a little bit tricky. They know ahead of time that they have to prepare for two quarterbacks. They have to prepare for Teddy Bridgewater, who's a little bit more of a small ball type quarterback. They'll throw the underneath stuff. He'll take his check downs. He's, somewhat mobile i mean he's not he's not the athlete that he was before he had that horrendous leg injury uh, but he's one type of quarterback and then drew lock is, is a very different one the locks sort of the gunslinger type with the big arm who's going to throw the ball a lot more vertically who's going to run around a little bit more on, in unstructured plays out of the pocket so they know that they have to prepare for those two guys i think that helps them i think last year was really difficult because they prepared for lock and then he got hurt in the first quarter, and they got Jeff Driscoll. I mean, you know, Jeff Driscoll is no, uh, no Hall of Famer. Nobody's like, oh, no, we got Jeff Driscoll. But when you don't prepare for a guy, then you're sort of having to adjust on the fly. And, I mean, Driscoll almost brought Denver back last year. The Steelers had a pretty, pretty comfortable two-score lead, and it ended up being a close game, 26-21. So I think that the situation they're in this, this year is better in that they know ahead of time that they need to prepare for both quarterbacks. So to answer your question, no, I I really don't think it matters because I think they'll be prepared either way. They're not going to get picked off if one or the other plays. How about the Steelers? Is this the Steelers game to dictate? I hope so. You know, (laughs) like I just, if, uh, if this one starts the way that a couple of their, their recent losses have where, they get out of the gate slow. I will actually I take that back. They did score first against Green Bay, but then Green Bay just dominated about the next 15 to 18 minutes. There was a statistic right before halftime, I think, where uh, after the Steelers scored their first touchdown, Green Bay had run like 20-some plays for 180 yards of offense, and the Steelers had run like six plays for 11 yards. So 
while the Steelers got off to a good start last week, Green Bay took that game over midway through the first quarter and really dominated the rest of the first half. Uh, I, I just can't um, – I just if, – if, if the Steelers can't get out of the gate this week, it's going to be a problem. But as, as for the question of, like, is this the Steelers' week to, to kind of dominate, I just feel like they need to be more aggressive with what they're doing offensively to sort of try to get out of the gate more. And, you know, like we'll talk about as we go through the show, they've got some opportunities to do so because I think this is a pretty good scheme matchup for the Steelers. All right. The word I actually used was dictate, but I'd love to see them dominate. And <laughs> dictate, may, okay. may, maybe dictate and dominate. Actually, they might go hand in hand. So uh, I did want to go ahead and bring that up. But let's bring up, this is a weird Denver Bronco team. And the reason I think that this is a weird team, they kind of remind me of the Indianapolis Colts of last year. Not really spectacular on offense, but doing what you need to do to get things done and pretty solid on defense. But if you look, (coughs) excuse me, if you look at the records of the teams that the Denver Broncos played, they're a combined five and 11. So that's not very good, but what's more of an indictment of who the Denver Broncos have played and the Denver Broncos themselves and their 3-0 record before losing last week to the Baltimore Ravens is the fact that the Ravens are 3-1 and on the season. So if you take that away, those other teams that they've played are combined 2-11, and and that's not something to really hang your hat on. So a really interesting thing there. Yeah, I just – Denver's wins have come against – the two New York teams, uh, which, you know, both of whom are, are struggling significantly. Um, and the game last week I thought was telling because you had the Ravens go into uh, Denver and really kind of pick Denver's defense apart with uh, a game plan that probably took the Broncos by surprise. They, they threw the football on them. I mean, Baltimore had 406 total yards. And 304 of those came came in the air and they created an awful lot of openings in the middle of the field, especially by getting into run heavy sets and and using play action and getting Denver's uh, linebackers to be aggressive and then exploiting that in the passing game. So it was a really nice plan by the Ravens, but it also showed that Denver's not quite ready to compete at that kind of at that level, because I thought that they you know, physically got dominated in that contest. Let's take a look at the stats rankings for both teams in this game, Kevin. The Denver Broncos have the 17th best offense in the league, and that contains number 21 passing the football and number 11 on the ground. As far as scoring points, they are in the bottom third of the league. They have 20.8 points scored, and that ranks 21st. If you look at the Steelers, the Steelers are ranked 27th in total offense of 301.8, as opposed to Denver's rank of 17. The Steelers passing the ball slightly better than the Broncos at 246.5 yards per game. That's ranked 16th as opposed to Denver's 21. Rushing the ball. Once again, the Denver Broncos, not too bad. They are looking at ranked 11th and the Steelers at 55.3 yards per game ranked dead last. That's something that we've been talking about week after week of how that has to change. And we talked about the 21st ranking 
for Denver as far as points. The Steelers are right now scoring 16.8 points per game on average for a tie of 28. So the offensive ranks for the Steelers, when your best rank is 16th, the offense is definitely a big part of the problem. Is that what you would say there, Kevin? Yeah, the offense is, is, a, is a big part of the problem. The offense is just, uh, when, when you think about where the Steelers are right now, they're still developing. They've, they've got the, you know, the issues with the line. There's certainly been a ton of talk about Roethlisberger's status and how long do they go with him as the starting quarterback. I think, I think the spoiler alert answer is like, you know, as long as Roethlisberger's, you know, wants to be the starting quarterback. I don't, I don't feel like Mike Tomlin, it, my, my sense is that Mike Tomlin is not going to bench him. Ben might, you know, go to the bench with an injury, uh, whether it be real or phantom. Uh, but I don't think that Tomlin's going to bench him. So, you know, we know the offense has, has issues. But on the positive side, we did see some development last week, particularly in the run game. I thought the offensive line had their best game of the season. I thought that they did a decent job getting a push up front. I think we gave a statistic last week on the show. Najee Harris heading into last week's game had been contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 70% of his carries. Oh, yes. That's an an astounding number, man. 70% of his carries, which means that, you know, the Steelers were clearly not being, not getting any movement up front or they were failing to cover guys up, which is a factor of communication. But that didn't happen last week. I mean, they, did, they didn't run the ball that much because once they fell behind by a couple of scores, they kind of abandoned the run. But Harris had 15 carries for 62 yards. It was the first time all year he's averaged over four yards a carry. And he actually had some holes to run through. And one thing we've learned about Najee Harris already this year is uh, that man does not need uh, a, a whole lot of room to make positive things happen. Sometimes when there's no room, he's making positive things happen regardless. So, and then, and then we saw the Steelers receivers find some space. There were a couple instances, particularly with Juju Smith-Schuster, where they got behind the defense. And unfortunately, Roethlisberger was unable to, to hook up. But uh, a couple of completions in those situations would have really changed the outcome of that game. So while the offense is clearly the issue, uh, I think that we did see some positive signs last week. Real quick about the defense, it's just really hard to tell with the defense right now because they're so banged up. And you know, the injuries on the defensive line were glaring last week. I thought that I thought that uh, the Steelers got exposed up front. Green Bay did a pretty good job of handling uh, Isaiah Bugs and Henry Mondo and and made things hard on the Steelers. But the Steelers gambled with their scheme last week. They really gambled to stop the pass, and Green Bay smartly exploited them in the run game. So the Steelers will play a different scheme this week against Denver, probably a more gap sound scheme. So it's hard to assess where they are defensively just because of the way things have played out the last couple of weeks with scheme and injury. So, Kevin, you mentioned the defense and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You're right. They're not the same right now. But are they indicative of what their numbers really are? If you look at them right here, they are ranked 16th in total defense, which is middle of the pack with 357.8 yards per game surrendered. As far as the passing game, 19th at 258.8, 12th in the league against the rush at 99 yards surrendered per game, and point-wise, they're 
and that is good for 13th. Now, the problem is the Denver Broncos have only given up 12.3 points per game, which ranks them second, 70.0 yards per game against the rush, which is not good for the Steelers who have struggled rushing the football. That means that they are the fifth ranked team, sixth rank against the pass at 197.8 and fourth overall 267.8. They don't have Bradley Chubb though anymore. Can Von Miller do it all on his own? Can they sustain this? And is this also a product of the fact that they played the Jets, the Giants, and the other team in that equation, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I think it's very hard to get an accurate assessment of either of these teams right now. I don't think the Steelers are as bad as they've looked the last three weeks. Really, when you turn on the film, they're, they're pretty close on some things. And again, that game in Green Bay, I know Green Bay was ahead 27 to 10 at one point, but there were just some opportunities the Steelers had that they weren't able to cash in on. They they just missed, whether it be the, the blocked field goal or that was returned for a touchdown on that phantom offsides on Joe Hayden, which uh, that's, I mean, I can't believe that that side judge must've been Superman. I mean, he must have had some x-ray vision because uh, it, it looks as the, what it looked like to me is the center picks the ball up before he snaps it back and Hayden moves as the ball comes up and it's virtually simultaneous. So, so there's that play, and then there's the you know the, the, the overthrows to Smith-Schuster, or either one of which could have been a touchdown. The game was a little bit closer last week than, than the score indicated. And, and you, like blame, you, said, you blame those yeah. on Ben Roethlisberger and not the, uh, the receivers in our Slack channel. And I, I think you're right on because I've quoted you all week on that. That was Ben's overthrow and not Juju's uh, lack of route running. Are you, are you, uh, do you stand by that? Yeah, the first one's definitely on Roethlisberger, no question about that. And the second one, I don't know. The second one could have been a landmark throw where, like, Roethlisberger's expecting Smith-Schuster to be at a certain landmark, uh, you know, when he when he, he's basically throwing to a spot and expecting Smith-Schuster to be there. But he's an experienced quarterback, man. He's been there for a long, long time. And he didn't have pressure in his face on either one of those throws. I could see it if it's one of those things where he's got a dude right in his face and he's got to get rid of the football now. But it was, that wasn't the case. A- after the game, Ben talked about his mechanics and how he was dropping his elbow and that was causing the ball to sail. And that's true. That, that happens when you do drop your elbow. But I didn't see any of that on a couple of his bad misses. I just saw him miss. And, you know, that's, that's just an erosion of skills. And unfortunately, I think that's what we're seeing from him. Now, look, I don't, I'm certainly not privy to exactly what the Steelers were trying to do with any of those concepts. So, you know, it's certainly possible that that was a Roethlisberger thing. Juju Smith-Schuster took the blame for it afterwards, basically said, you know, I've got I've to make those catches. But, I mean, that really felt like him covering for Roethlisberger, especially since on the sideline there were some camera shots of him. Throwing an iPad. <laughs> throwing an iPad. The, the, one, the one time it, it, it really looked like he mouthed, that's a bad ball. I mean, that's really what it looks, what looked like what he said on the sideline. And I think maybe after the game, he realized that that was a bad look for him and probably, you know, did the right thing as a teammate. But, yeah, I, I think those throws were on Ben. And I just think that, you know, he's, that's, that's the quarterback that he is right now. You know, we all love him for, for what he's done for the franchise. But I think we got to be honest about where he is in his game right now. 
I agree wholeheartedly, and I thank you for that assessment. So what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, you are not going to want to miss this because we are going to tell you the player on offense and the player on defense that should be keeping the Pittsburgh Steelers up at night and what the Steelers need to do to beat the Denver Broncos this weekend to get their record to two and three. So stay tuned here with Kevin Smith. I'm Brian Davis on the Steelers pregame show. Here we go. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is alongside me, my co-host here. And we are so glad to be talking about the Steelers and the Broncos as the Steelers look for that elusive second win of the 2021 season. And we talked a lot about the disparity between the rankings of this team as Denver is ranked so much better and they are at three and one as the Steelers are at one and three, but kind of three and one with mirrors playing uh playing some very bad teams the uh they kind of got exposed last week in my mind against the baltimore ravens as the baltimore ravens are as much as i hate to admit this they are a very smart team and they're coached well and they did a very good job confusing the broncos kevin can the steelers do that same thing this week in theory they can i I think the steelers have the opportunity to, you know, either throw or run the football. I think that they've they've certainly tried to establish the run. And we've seen little bits and pieces of the Matt Canada offense, so to speak, in the game plan the last couple of weeks. Last week, for instance, there was a lot of RPOs in there, and the Steelers did a pretty good job executing them. You, you probably saw, if you watched the game last week, you probably saw several instances where Roethlisberger faked the handoff to Najee Harris and then threw like a quick out cut predominantly to Deontay Johnson. That was a, that was sort of a pre-snap RPO read designed to exploit the pre-snap alignment of the secondary. So I think that they're building more and more of those things into the offense. I think Ben Roethlisberger's done a pretty good job executing the RPO schemes so far this year. I think that with the way that Baltimore used play action to exploit the aggressiveness of Denver's linebackers last week, that that provides an opening for the Steelers. So, you know, that's, it's going to fall on that Canada though. I, you know, I know, I know Canada's guys work cut out for him. The Steelers are not able to just line up and slam the ball down anybody's throat right now. And I know that last week 
Denver game plan for Baltimore's run game and Baltimore used that against them by hurting them with, with the pass, the Steelers are going to have to basically find a way to scheme to their advantage. My, my suggestion, I mean, if I were advising Matt Canada, my suggestion would be to go heavy on 12 personnel. I think that with the way that the middle of the field has been open against Denver's defense in the passing game, that the Steelers have a great opportunity to use their tight ends off of play action and exploit that. And I think that it also benefits them because Denver plays an odd front on defense, which is a, a three-man, a three-down front, which provides an extra gap for uh, an offense to attack in the run game. You put a second tight end down on there, and now you've the offense has created an extra gap as well. So there's potentially two extra gaps that the offense can attack in the run game out of 12 personnel. That's going to require Denver to get aggressive with their linebackers or bring a safety in the box and that's going to open up play action opportunities so to answer your question about getting creative and exploiting uh, the Denver defense I think that with 12 personnel the RPO game and the play action game the Steelers have a chance to do that so you talked about Matt Canada who does he have to game plan on that very staunch Denver stifling defense more than anybody who is the guy that's keeping Canada up all night and forcing him to be creative and who does he need to stay away from? Well, it's gotta be Von Miller, right? I mean, Von Miller looks like he looked a couple of years ago. He he's, he's healthy. He's been dinged up for a couple of years and he's healthy and he's playing really, really well. And they're going to have to figure out how they want to handle him in protection because neither of the Steelers offensive tackles have been very good. Dan Moore jr. Who I, I like, I think he's going, going to be good, but he's a rookie who's, you know, started for, three games in the NFL. And that's kind of scary to think that, you know, you, you would he, single him up against Von Miller. And then Joe, Joe Hag, I thought did a good job filling in for uh, Chuck Sakura for last week, but he's, he's a little bit more advanced as a pass, as a run blocker than as a pass protector. So if you get Miller on, on Hag, then the Steelers are going to have to chip him with Harris or again, if you're in that 12 personnel, look, you can kind of use a tight end to sort of, delay chip release to the flat chip run the otb routes the over the ball routes in the middle of the field etc i think that that's got to be obviously the number one consideration in the game plan but i think denver's secondary is pretty good too you know they've got they've got some guys that you know they they don't have like real big name guys in their secondary but they've got just good veterans guys the guys like kyle fuller and kareem jackson and bryce callahan justin simmons i mean that's their starting four in the secondary and they're all solid pros they play zone defense and they play it pretty well and they're disciplined and they're going to fourth force Roethlisberger to make the right throw, uh, to find the, the voids in the zone, to not force things like Roethlisberger has got to play a really disciplined game and he's got to be accurate when you're throwing against zone defense, you got to be accurate and you got to, you got to locate the ball in the, the voids there. And so it's going to test Roethlisberger's ability just to, to execute the offense from a fundamental standpoint. And if he can do those things and Canada can be creative, then I think the Steelers are going to have a successful day on offense. You talked about Joe Haig and the offensive line, and it seemed like they were progressing last week. And which are they all the way where we need them to be? Of course not. But it seemed like they took another step up that ladder. Now, things are going to change this week because Chuksakor 4 has been practicing all week. He could possibly come back. But um, 
when they send a player to the media, that means that he's most likely playing. And that man that I'm talking about was Zach Banner, who looks to be possibly making his return. If Zach Banner comes back, what do they do with those tackle positions? You have the Dan Moore factor on the uh, left side. You have the possibility of Chukes coming back. You have the presence of Joe Haig and now Zach Banner. So what exactly happens at those tackle positions? What should happen and what will happen, Kevin? Well, I think from a pure performance standpoint, Okorafor has been the worst of the three who have played. Agreed. I don't think that they'll... I think that they have more faith in him because he's he's played more than Moore has. So if it's a question of, you know, hey, you've got four healthy tackles, you've got Banner and Moore and Okora for and Haig, I don't think they'll start more. Although he's been the most experienced, he's the most natural fit right now at left tackle. So now I'm going to contradict myself like in the middle of my thought. Um, I mean, maybe they will, maybe they'll see more as being the, you know, that guy at left tackle. I mean, if, if I have my druthers, I just, I don't know, you know, I'd have to be hundred percent convinced that Zach Banner is healthy and ready to go because ha- putting him out on the field for the first time in what, 12, 13 months, uh, lined up across from Von Miller, whew, you know, Knowing, of course, that Miller's game is still speed, and he and he really looks like he's got that speed. Uh, he, he his speed rushes have been excellent so far. That's a tough ask. Uh, at the you know, so I, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know where they're going to go with all this. I mean, in a perfect world, I think I think Banner's your right tackle, and whoever you feel more comfortable with between Moore and Okorafor, that's your left tackle. I'd ride with Moore. I don't think he's been terrible. You know, in, in past pro, he's been decent. In the run game, he struggled a little bit, but if uh, if you're going to use 12 personnel and get, and get another tight end on the field to help him out, and you're going to have Banner on the right side, um, you know, where you can m- maybe be a little bit more heavier in the run game in that direction, uh, I, w- I would probably roll with those guys. So here's a question, Kevin. If we go ahead and look at the Denver Broncos offense, and we've already talked about the differences between the two quarterbacks. We've talked about how the Steelers defense, how you feel that their play does not really is really not indicative of how, uh, how they're ranked and uh, how they've, uh, how they've been messed up because of injuries. So if you look at something like that and you have the Denver Broncos coming in with, uh, you know, they have a couple couple guys at running back if you're looking at the rookie Javante Williams and you're looking at Melvin Gordon as well and the receivers that they have there uh Cortland Sutton and uh Jerry Judy to name a few who's the guy that you would worry about the most if you were Keith Butler in the Steelers defense yeah if I'm Keith Butler I'm I'm game planning to stop the run Judy's going to be out uh KJ Hamler's out so those are two pretty good young receivers, both of whom can run. And that means that Denver will have to rely on Sutton. And then they'll probably go heavy to Noah Fant, the tight end. He got 10 targets last week against the Ravens. And, you know, he's a nice player. So, you know, Sutton, Sutton's really stepped up and is having a nice season. Fant's a good player. But uh, if Denver's really going to be successful on offense, they're going to have to establish the run. Because I don't know if they want to put everything on Locke's shoulders since he hasn't been the starter 
or Bridgewater, who, who is coming back from being in the concussion protocol. So it'll be very interesting, you know, to, to see how Denver attacks the Steelers. I'm fascinated to watch Javante Williams because, as you probably remember, man, he was a huge behind the steel curtain draft crush. Oh, we love the offseason, right? Loved them, right? And there was a lot of, and it was the big, you know, the big debate was Williams, Harris, or Travis Etienne, you know, and everybody was kind of weighing in their opinions on, on those things. And uh, so it'd be fascinating sort of to see, you know, Williams on one side kind of stylistically and Harris on the other side. But yeah, to answer your question, I definitely think that, that, uh, the Steelers have to be able to stop the run because Denver's best bet uh, is run the football and then try to hit home runs off of play action if uh, Drew Locke, as expected, is is the quarterback. So, Kevin, I appreciate all of that. Let's go ahead and take a look at this game as a whole. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos are, uh, at one point today, they were favored. At 0.5, the Steelers uh, being the home team. And now it's basically even. So if you go ahead and take a look at that, this game can, could uh, shake out either way. So there's with really no favorite here to look at. Let's just go head-to-head, straight up. Who do you think wins this game and what's the score going to be? So it's interesting what you just said, because that line has moved. That line actually opened. The Steelers opened at two-point favorites, and it's actually moved down to even, which is interesting considering how unsettled Denver's quarterback situation is. That, so I, kinda, I find that a little bit fascinating. If, you're, if, it's, if it's an even pick em game, then what they're really saying is, you know, we, we think that, they, that the away team, the visiting team, is, is a slight favorite because usually they give – the home team a couple of points simply because they're at home. So that doesn't show a whole lot of faith in the Steelers, but I'm on the other side of that, you know, that conversation. I really think that this is a good opportunity for the Steelers. I think from a scheme perspective, they match up. Well, I think Denver's odd front presents opportunities to run the football. And then we've talked about some things I think the Steelers can do in the passing game. And I think, you know, defensively they'll, they'll run a sounder scheme this week than they ran at, at green Bay last week. They took some chances last week to try to stop Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know, and, and they did okay with it. Rodgers had kind of pedestrian stats for him anyway, but green Bay made some plays in the run game. So I think the Steelers scheme will be more sound on defense. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quote my, my, one of my favorite movie characters of all time, Andy Dufresne uh, from ah. Shawshank Redemption. Hope is a good thing. Hope is a good thing. And so, you know, I'm both hopeful that the Steelers will win this week, but I think that there's justification for it when you look at the matchup. So I'm going to pick the Steelers 24-20. All right. I am also picking the Steelers this week, which I worry about because I am 0-4 this year. I believe, uh, are you 0-4 as well, or did you go with the Packers last week? Well, unfortunately, yeah, I got last week's. So I was hoping uh, I, would, I, would, I would jinx them with my poor prognosticating, but it didn't turn out. I still can't go against the Steelers. It's not a Homer thing. It's just like, I really believe, I believe they were going to win last week. And I really believe that they're going to win this week. Now, if this doesn't happen, we know we talked about calling in the family. Um, yeah. You call in, not only do you call in the family cause they're not doing that yet. You probably have the priest on speed dial. If they get to, <laughs> if they get to one in five, that's when you're, yeah, I mean, you, one and four is when you have the priest on speed dial getting ready for the last rites. Um, then 
at one and five. Oh yeah. It's uh, you really worry about that. I think this team has a lot, a lot going for it still, even with, with the rough start to the year. So I'm going to say that the Steelers are going to win this game. There's going to be lots of field goals in this game. Chris Boswell is going to be very busy. I can see the Steelers still scoring two touchdowns, getting, close enough to get four field goals. So I'm going to give them 26 points and I'm only going to give the Denver Broncos 24. So that's a pretty close game. So I can see them scoring, uh, scoring a couple of times as well, but uh, with a few field goals there, uh, you might see a, a lost extra point as well. So we'll just, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to shake out, but that number keeps popping in my head, 26, 24. So I'm going to go with it. So with that being said, I think we both think the Steelers are going to come home with a victory, Kevin. We do. And, you know, uh, one of the, you know, it it looks so grim right now because we're talking about, hey, if they lose this week, maybe they're looking at one and five. But let's just think about the opposite for a second. They they win on Sunday. They're two and three. Seattle's coming in. Uh, As you and I are doing this, this, this podcast right now, it's, it's Thursday night and, Seattle's about to lose to the Rams and and Geno Smith is quarterbacking Seattle right now because Russell Wilson has been knocked out of the game. So, you know, I don't know what Russell Wilson's status is, but let's say the Steelers win on Sunday and then they get a Seattle team that is coming off of a loss and has to travel across country and might be quarterbacked by, you know, Geno Smith of all people. And so, you know, decent chance for them to, to win that game. The Steelers get to three and three and, you know, the season's back on. So, I mean, it just feels like as grim as things have been for the last couple of weeks that this thing's not over and a win on Sunday could really put them in position to resurrect their season. Here's how bad the 2013 draft was. As I digress, there was at one point where people thought that Geno Smith was going to be the number one pick in that draft. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, there's, there's just, uh, it, it is not easy trying to figure out how these college guys are going to project to the NFL. And he's a great case study in that because he, and you know, and he kind of reminds you like physically and stylistically of like a guy like Vince Young, I mean, how great were those guys in college, you know? But, uh, yeah, they just couldn't figure it out. And whatever, what, whatever it is, whether it's the mechanics or the playbook or, you know, just overwhelmed by the, the celebrity of it all, who knows what it is. But, yeah, I mean, that is an inexact science. And probably something that will be fascinating as we look forward uh, to, this, you know, the Steelers, their offseason, where they're probably going to have to make a decision about, uh, about Roethlisberger. As long as it's not Geno Smith. So thank you so much, Kevin, for all of your great analysis. As always, I'm excited for this game. I'm really, uh, I think all of us in Steeler Nation really need the Steelers to take home a W. So I'm really hoping you're right. Andy Dufresne, he said it. Hope's <laughs> a good thing. And, yeah. and Russell you know, Wilson has a broken finger, by the way, ooh, on his throwing, on his throwing game. Wow. So that's something that I did not see. I was because of the famous Seattle has two losses quote from two years ago. I was hoping they would win tonight, but um, so I can say that all of next week and not get hounded for it by my cohorts on the Steelers preview, Jeff Hartman (laughs) and Dave Schofield. So um, 
So I really needed Seattle to win just for that reason to save some face. <laughs> but thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to this game coming up. And we will have analysis of it next week and on every BTSC show. Because remember, we've got over 25 original shows, lots of great stuff. So be sure if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, there's only one place to be, and it's BTSC. So with that being said, for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. You've got one thing to do now, and it's grab that terrible towel and start rooting. Here we go. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.